0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Not So Native podcast. Let me introduce your host. My name is Rob Lamb. And I'm Aaron Bailey. Kick back and let us take you on a journey as we explore some of Arizona's most fascinating people, places, and things to do. Are you ready? 67%
1: 67% of bankruptcies in the U.S. are due to medical bills. To help you avoid the pitfalls in coverage, high premiums, and ridiculous deductibles, I search all coverage options to find the best benefits for your budget for free. We protect independent contractors, small business owners, and their families. Heck, we've even beaten group plans to put more money back into your paycheck. Contact T-Insurers for your top three quotes at 602 602- 602 315-8070, or
2: T-Insurers
1: on Facebook.
0: Hey, welcome back to the Not-So-Native Podcast. My name is Rob Lamb. I'm Aaron. And we are still in beautiful Pine, Arizona. That we're probably going to have to get the mayor or some sort of sheriff to kick us out of here because it's beautiful up
1: here right now. So, But we are at Skies. Uh, Sky, Skies and Pine. Skies and Pine. And and there I, you go. I'm, and, I'm Ron Davidson. Everybody calls me Sky. It's a nickname. It was uh, tagged me uh, many, many years ago because I live at the end of Skyline Road in Cochise County, that's where my ranch is, where we do most of our work. Um, 50 years ago, this whole business started as a hobby and I'm a veteran and to supplement my GI Bill when I got out of the Coast Guard, I uh, took up a little bit of woodworking and at that particular point in time, I was living in Northern California, Humboldt County. Uh, I went to Humboldt State University where on a weekend I could make a table and it supplement my income and it paid for my education. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, no student loans. So it's 100% financed by myself and uh, the, uh, the work of a few other people that helped me out. Uh, so the hobby over the years uh, it it just worked uh, as a hobby. I did eventually take a teaching position at Humboldt State and that went for about seven years. My heart wasn't into the teaching. Heart was in the classroom, but not the committee work. So I resigned a full time teaching position there and went full time into salvage logging The salvage logging. Um, entailed taking dead down, dead standing, dead on the ground, uh, and nuisance trees or nuisance, uh, woods, fire hazard woods. Okay. Um, so I developed that small company into a larger company. And, uh, eventually I sold that off and the whole time, this business that I'm in now was strictly a hobby. When I sold off the logging company and quit the teaching position, the hobby became a full-time business. Wow. Oh. Um, in 1970, uh, I went to uh, from California to Arizona. Uh, my dad owned the property uh, down in Cochise County, and I took possession of that uh, a few years later. But in that period of time, uh, leaving California and uh, um, uh, back and forth from California to Arizona, actually Arizona since 1954. Well, my dad was in the Air Force and I joined him briefly at 54. And then uh, um, I joined him again at Vandenberg Air Force Base when I was 15. But I was raised by my grandparents in the Monterey Bay of California. Oh, beautiful. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun place to live. It was I, a great childhood, it sounds like. Yeah, awesome. I had the ocean in the front yard golf course in the backyard. <laughs> I went to lighthouse school on element, or elementary school, at lighthouse school on 17 mile drive. Oh wow. So, so grandparents basically raised me for a good number of years. And I joined my dad at Vandenberg Air Force Base where I graduated from high school in Lompoc. But even back that far, I was doing woodworking. I was oh, doing wow. a lot of woodworking, uh, making things uh, on, the, on the base, making gift items for uh, other people. Uh, on the base, doing things like that. But eventually uh, I left California and joined my dad again at uh, the ranch in Cochise County, where I started harvesting uh, mesquite. Prior to that, I was harvesting redwood. Okay. Now I'm harvesting mesquite up and down the San Pedro River Valley. That's where the, the mesquite primarily comes from for me. I harvest dead standing, dead down, Take the root crown systems, and cut them into these nice, beautiful slabs. Um, your burl wood. A lot of people think burl wood is uh, something of a um, uh, an abnormal growth or caused by lightning or caused by insects. It's not. Burl wood is a normal, natural thing that occurs on 99% of the trees in the world. This is one of the things that I studied while I was an undergraduate at Humboldt State University. And I studied over 300,000 seedlings. I went to the nurseries and looked at the seedlings and all of the California coastal redwoods, 99% of them formed uh, root crown borough, which was just a large number of buds that formed right at the crown of the root system. So having studied all of these seedlings, then I was able to draw a conclusion that uh, maybe this was not just Something that happens with redwood. I started studying other types of trees wow. and I found that wow. this, the same thing happens with the other trees. This bud collar forms when the tree just but a seedling. It divides, redivides, continues to divide, it goes exponential with these buds forming right where the, tr- the roots transcend into the trunk of the tree and that forms your root crown burrow. Now, as the tree is growing, if you terminate the main tree, then one or more of those buds will sprout and come into a whole new, uh, it'll form a whole new tree. It's called your second growth. So, over the years, I started cutting the burls, making furniture with it, and it's developed into what it is today. I think that I, I, the first time I ever heard
0: of a burl was on that crazy show, uh, I think it's on a history channel, uh, Dirty Riches or Filthy Riches. Oh, yeah. or. Yeah. Something like that. That's the first time I ever heard of it. I think they're up in Oregon or somewhere. They're in Santa Rosa, California. Santa Rosa, uh, okay. Uh,
1: the Redwood Kings is one of them. It was on the, yeah. the, the TV show. Um, their, their approach is a little bit different. They're not really making tables like I'm making. They're making structures like uh, 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 tiny houses and, right, and, yeah. and things like that. Yeah. Um, now people have been cutting burl for a long time. Burlwood is really basically woods royalty. So. If somebody says it's an injury to the tree or it's uh, caused by lightning or caused by insect infestation, no, it's none of the above. It's a natural, normal occurring uh, thing that occurs on, like I said, 99% of the trees. At the root crown level, 1% is the knot that you see on the side of the tree. That's a tree brawl. And that actually is just a manifestation of these buds and permeated up through the cambium layer on the tree, which is the layer between the bark and the trunk of the tree. Uh, the buds permeate up, seeking light on the outside at a thin spot, and then they start the division process again. Well,
0: wow. bear with me for one second. Would it be okay if I closed the door because the wind chime is? Oh, sure. Yeah. It's going of background noise. noise. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Yes. So, over the years, um, I've developed several stores some in Northern California, some in Branson, Missouri, some, some in uh, Oregon. Uh, I've helped with uh, several stores in Colorado. Uh, currently, uh, this store, Skies and Pine, is my only company store. Uh, I have a manufacturing company that is located down in Humboldt, or in Cochise County, where we manufacture the large items. Here in Pine, we manufacture the small items gift items like uh, clocks, uh, Lazy Susan's, uh, some little can- coffee tables, sets, maybe, maybe some small tables, uh-huh. uh, huh. but the larger items are all manufactured at the facility in Cochise County. But, uh, Pine is my home. Uh, I, I reside here probably eight, nine months out of the year and then, uh, I'm back and forth to the ranch just for a few days. Nice. So, um, The wood wood, uh, resources that I have, the mesquite comes from ranchers. It only comes off of private land. It's uh, usually wood that they want to have removed so that they can open up uh, ground for raising crops or grazing. Manzanita, I get a Forest Service permit right here in in, uh, uh, Tano National Forest. And the permit comes from the Forest Service. It's good for 90 days. I can go out, they give me a map where I can cut manzanita. Manzanita I use strictly as the center cores for floor lamps and the legs for table bases. It's kind of like
0: I mean, because it's not really a,
1: manzanita is more of a bush, right? Manzanita is a bush. It's, it rarely goes about 12 feet, although there are pieces that are 12 feet plus, but uh, generally speaking, it's uh, in the six to eight foot height and maybe six to, maybe uh, four to six inches in diameter for a large one. Um, and manzanita is kind of a nuisance. Uh, it's a major fire hazard. Because uh, it's so oily, right? Oily, and what happens is the elk run through, the snow load breaks branches off, as little tiny branches, they lay on the ground and dry, and a fire comes through, it doesn't burn, it explodes. Hmm. Manzanita, if you put it into a wood stove, if you notice the flame, it's blue. Blue flame is your hotter flame. Right. And uh, you could actually melt down on a wood stove if you're not careful. So by going into the forest and eliminating a lot of the dead down, dead standing, and the green, if it's in a heavy thicket, um, it's actually uh, creating uh, less of a fire hazard. Right.
0: It's uh, It's an interesting... Manzanita, when I was in sixth grade camp in California, uh, I grew up in San Diego. We went to... Camp Cuyamaca up in the Cuyamaca Mountains something. And there was lots of manzanita and they would give you a little piece of manzanita wood just sand it down and polish it and make it, make it somewhat pretty as, pretty as a 12 year old could do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you know, the manzanita, manzanita mountains, many, many <coughs> years ago, I was getting uh, uh, manzanita burls uh, down around Potrero, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, just east of San Diego. Right. And there was an out, outfit there that was uh, harvesting manzanita burls all the way from, um, from uh, Tecate to up to Patro and uh, Round Mountain. But they, um, uh, that, uh, that whole area had a uh, high density of manzanita burls, root crown burls, and the, the manzanita itself. But I think it was in, uh, along about 1981. California-made manzanita, an endangered species, or a protected species, not endangered, but protected. Right. So you can't cut it anymore. It didn't surprise me why California's burning up. But, right?
0: You know? But, so. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to dive into that, but yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that. Um, I saw a lot, the first time I saw it in Arizona was up near Crown King after the fire. Uh-huh. And, and, and it was just, boom, all over the place. A yeah. Huge... Uh, because they got the berries all over them yeah. as well. I mean, the, the deer and the,
2: the, well, that, the critters well, love to the eat word, them. But
1: the word manzanita uh, translated uh, it means little apple in Spanish, and the manzanita berry does resemble a little tiny tiny apple. Ah. It's Interesting. Ah. Interesting. But the but the bark is red. Yeah.
0: And something about the inside. Is there something unique about like when you cut it or something? Well.
1: I, you know If it's red like that, that's, that's when it's green, and we cut it uh, that way as, as well as when it's, it's dead. But uh, as it dries out, the bark gets darker and darker, eventually it turns kind of a black color. And underneath that bark, when the bark falls away, uh, the underneath part is actually blonde in color. And when you look at the manzanita in the woods, uh, it's red and gray. The gray part actually becomes red. The red, the gray part is where the heartwood's been exposed. Wow.
0: That's fascinating.
1: Fascinating.
2: Let me tell you guys about our weekend. We spent the entire day with outdoor adventure centers in Cottonwood. What a great time. We went kayaking on the Verde River, and our guides made the adventure so much fun. Then, we went out on the trails in an ATV rental, and we finished the day in Old Town Cottonwood with great food and wine tasting. It was such a perfect day with OAC Tours. We're already planning to go back, and I would highly recommend OACtours.com to everyone.
0: Call 602-686-8530 to book your tour today or go online at
2: OACtours.com.
0: Welcome back to the Not So Native Podcast. I'm Rob Lamb. I'm Aaron Bailey. So when did you... Decide, uh, I don't know. When, when you first started making tables, were you just making traditional straight cut tables? No, you know, I actually um,
1: in uh, 1969, um, I uh, uh, was in Humboldt County, and there was there wasn't anybody that was really doing too much. But I went to uh to Fisherman's Wharf, and there was a person there, uh, Fishman's Wharf, that had these beautiful Live edge or freeform form uh, redwood burl tables. And I, I thought, wow, this is pretty neat. So when I went back up to Humboldt County looking to, to go to school at, at Humboldt State University, well, I ran into a guy that was cutting some redwood burl. And that's what it started. I figured, well, hey, I can make some nice tables this way and, uh, and sell them. Well, then the big boom happened with the burlwood industry in the uh, early 70s. There was little stores that sprung up all over the West Coast. Uh, People that were out in the woods and go and get a burl and go out on the beach and get uh, a burl that washed up in high water. And they'd slab them out. I'd buy the slabs from some of those guys. And eventually I formed a partnership with a a man up there in in, uh, Humboldt County. and He and I had uh, about five years of just really having a good time Doing Burlwood and uh, oh. it, it worked out real good. Uh, I'm I'm still good friends with them to this day, even though we dissolved the partnership many, many years ago. Sure, it was a good partnership, it really was. And um, but I, it, what happened was the uh, we we had contracts to get Burlwood out of the forest uh, from uh, GP, LP uh, some of those larger companies, and. Um, Another country came along and uh, just outbid us. We were taking semi loads out at twenty five dollars a ton for chair yeah. weight, and the other companies started bidding at a dollar and a quarter a pound. So uh, big companies didn't want to talk to us, little guys yeah. anymore. You know. Yeah. Who, so, who are you? what? Uh, we had to yeah. go to we had to go to the private sector, which the private sector there's there's a is a finite supply of good mm. burlwood, so. At that point, I, I told my uh, ex-partner, Forrest Willis, I told him, I said, uh, you know, I, I think it's time for me to to, to bail out. I'm, I'm gonna go to Arizona and see what I can do down there. And I'd quit my teaching position at that point. Uh, it was just too hard for us to get enough burrow. But he, between between him and myself, we basically flooded the West Coast with slabs and uh, cedar bases, which we, we uh, ultimately got out of uh, Mount Shasta area mm-hmm. and we got logging permits and, and got uh, a lot of uh, one-piece cedar bases t- to put underneath a nice redwood slab. Oh, wow. We had, we supplied pretty much every store up and down the west coast with, with wood. But uh, when I came to Arizona, uh, first time was at 54 with my dad. I was just a, a little guy and, well, uh, 10 years old or so. But anyway, uh, and I uh, didn't come back until 1970, uh, when my dad uh, had retired from the Air Force and went to work for IBM in Tucson. Uh-huh. So I went down and visited and decided, yeah, this is pretty nice, but I still hadn't made the, the change. So uh, I uh, went back to California and worked there for a little bit and eventually uh, left California and went to Branson, Missouri oh. with my wood business. Mm-hmm. I built a beautiful store there and sold it in 1987. Moved back to Arizona and pretty much been here in Arizona in and out a little bit. So how'd you make it up to Pine? um, When I first started doing business or started building tables here in Arizona, uh, I was looking for good outlets. Tucson was not a good area. All of Southeastern Arizona wasn't good for this style of furniture. Sure. And so I started doing shows between Payson and Solo. <coughs> and after every show, I was making deliveries here to Pine. <laughs> so for the last 40 years or so, I've had deliveries here in Pine, but six years ago, uh, I decided that it was time to open a company store here in Pine. Because bulk of my deliveries were up here. I like the environment here. It's, yeah. uh, it's real nice. Attitude of people are great, so.
0: Yeah, real friendly people. Yeah. I, I really, yeah. everywhere you go, there's nice people. Uh, I haven't run into a crank yet, so yeah, well, that's great, that's great. What are we looking at here? Uh, we're, we're looking at a table, and it's
1: absolutely gorgeous. That's a mesquite burl. That's mesquite? That is a mesquite burl. Wow, yeah. how did you get this blonde? Is that natural? Yeah, the, the blonde is, is actually the outside layer. It's a growth layer on the tree. Uh, all trees, you know, when you cut a tree, uh-huh. it has a yellow ring on the outside. Right. That's the only part of the tree that's alive and living. That's where the nutrients go up. And then there's a thin layer. Xylem
0: and phloem from seventh grade biology. Yeah. Keep <laughs> going.
1: Now, the, uh, the layer between the uh, growth layer, the, uh, the, the sap ring, and the bark is called the cambium layer. And then there's uh, the bark on the outside. But the center part of the tree is actually dead. Uh-huh. And, and, but the, to find a piece of wood like that that had that growth layer that was still intact, even though the, the whole tree had died. Right. Uh, it's pretty unusual, and especially when it's intact like that, because most of the time the growth layer's got bugs in it, Oh, right. they have a, a problem, uh, powder post beetles get into the growth layer of almost every tree, uh-huh. and they lay an egg, the egg will stay dormant for 10, 12 years, and then all of a sudden it'll hatch, you'll be having a nice beautiful piece of furniture, and uh, one of these, they, they just they just run their course, is what uh-huh. happens, is they'll hatch out, come out, and they go away, and you'll never see them again. Wow, it's uh, they only attack a live, living tree. That's that's the thing that they do. Hmm. The, the tree has got to be alive for to uh, uh, to, to, to lay the egg in. It. But that's what that yellow is on there. I it's intact and doesn't have bugs in it. Wow, and I was I was uh,
0: pointing to Aaron. I was telling him this: the the legs of this table are manzanita. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's uh, that's beautiful. I use manzanita primarily. Uh, I, I do use some other lamps if they have a nice twisty decorative value to them. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But for the most part, ninety-nine percent of what I use for legs or table lamps uh, is mantelita.
0: And when did you start? Uh, part of your what I've noticed—it looks like artistry—is when you started doing some inlay stuff. That inside. started. Tell me, tell me about how that started and what it is and what you're doing with
1: it. Well. The, the inlay actually started when I was in Humboldt County. All wood has got voids in it from bark inclusion, conclusion. Sometimes it's actually dry rot, which we remove and then fill. But, um, initially, I was just filling them with a black resin and sometimes a clear resin. I'd put uh, whatever type of tree it is, uh, that uh, the piece of wood that I was working on. I'd get some of the leaves and I'd put leaves from that tree down under like a decoupage oh. and put underneath and, I did that for years, and then I put, uh, oh, abalone shells, living on the West Coast, there was abalone. I put abalone shells underneath, and I put some rocks. Uh, I have put just about everything you can possibly dream of. In the Uh, void? In the wood, in the the voids. Uh, I put bullets for hunters. I put uh, um, uh, charm bracelet pieces. I put military emblems pictures. Uh, you, you name it, I put it into the voids for people. Coins. The uh, first time I did a coin, I thought, wow, you know, I don't know about putting this coin in there, but and he says, well, have you ever been to the silver dollar bar in, in uh, Wyoming? And I said, no. And, well, there's a bar up there. I guess you got a, a million dollars in silver dollars in it. Wow. It's, it's a huge bar and it's all underneath all the resin. Um, that's that's pretty nice, I guess. <laughs> I'd rather have the coins in a collection, right. not underneath the bar, but that's okay. Uh, no, I put uh, a lot of different things for, for people. Um, kids, I put kids' toys in them. Wow. For somebody that wanted to save a, a little kid's toy of some kind. Like, so, uh, like an action figure or something? Yeah. Um, or?
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, you have um, a Star Wars table. Yeah. <laughs>
1: My son would probably have uh, one So else. eventually, here in Arizona, because Arizona is a copper and turquoise state, well, um, I started putting uh, turquoise in, oh, along about 1979 or so, I was putting turquoise in, in, in clock pieces and in the tables. And eventually I found that I could put some uh, copper pigment into the resin and pour that in. It looks just like copper, it looks really nice. And I used some real copper. It's like with the turquoise. I don't use, 100% use turquoise. It's uh, just too costly. Right. Um, so I use a mixture, turquoise and cola. Chryso-cola. chrysocola looks just like turquoise. It's not as hard, and it has a more vivid blue. So actually people, uh, they gravitate towards the chrysocola more so than the turquoise. But I do put a little turquoise mixed in with all so that I, I can actually say that there is real turquoise in it. Nice. So yeah. go ahead, Aaron.
2: Uh, Kind of going back a little bit because you you mentioned the beginning, kind of where you source the wood, Um, and so just confirm. So again, you're not going out and just cutting down a a tree that you like and think looks pretty. You want to cut it down, make a table out of it. There's you're you're pulling wood that's either like again the tree's already dead or or, or needs to come out for the health of the forest, right? Right. So I mean, there's a purpose behind more of where you source. Yeah, there is.
1: Um, And the other thing about it is, uh, uh, you don't take any wood without a uh, I and uh, even the guys that bring me wood here I make them show me a permit show me your permit before I'll buy that wood from you. sure because I, I it just those guys give people in the wood business like myself a bad name go out there and just totally ruin things in the forest and you know, poaching trees and things like that so no I make sure that everybody that, that works with me has a permit I have permits myself um, for the for, that's for the manzanita and most trees don't make uh, the furniture grade that I'm, I'm doing. It's mostly the root crown systems. It doesn't have to be burl. It can be just a nice, solid root. That's where your decorative wood is. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get these really nice live-edge shapes. Um, I do use some boards that are cut out of a log for, like, a long countertop or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. But um, the uh, alligator juniper, that is off of private land. Occasionally now we can find a a dead tree in the forest and then we have to basically have to poach a guard on it and go to the Forest Service and get a permit for that tree. They'll sell it to us as long as there's not one little sprig of green on it. If there's one little sprig of green, it's off limits. Is that the alligator juniper? The alligator juniper. They call it alligator juniper because the bark looks like alligator skin. Oh. yeah, there's, there's a, a kind of a finite supply of alligator junipers, too, large ones and would be large enough to make furniture.
0: Right, so if there's one sprig of green on the Forest Service, that's negative. Now, right. uh,
1: uh, uh, most of the juniper that I get comes off of private land where somebody's bought a piece of property and they're clearing it to build a house or a barn or something like that, or it's a tree that has died. Uh, I get people come in all the time calling me and asking me uh, about if I'd be interested in the wood, or can I come and cut the tree down, which I do some of that work. I've got a tree service that I work with uh, real close. Mm -hmm. Um, Mesquite, that comes off of private land only in southeastern Arizona, Cochise County mainly, and mainly along the San Pedro River Valley. I've known those ranches and farmers there for 40 years or better. The ranch that I live on not a working ranch, I don't have cattle. I don't have, any, uh, I don't have any livestock of any kind. I'm not farming anything. That's yeah. where our manufacturing facility and the sawmills are. Oh, I have cowboys all around me, so I could go ride anytime I want to. <laughs> I can look at cows anytime I want to, but I'm right in the middle, so I, I do a lot of rough on lumber for them. Uh, oh, that's nice. Actual trees, trees like uh, nuisance trees, the the tree service that I, I work with here, they're really busy taking a lot of nuisance trees down and doing a lot of firewise things. So when they have a, a big, like a ponderosa pine um, that they cut down or any kind of pine that they cut down and well, then they come and uh, see me and then I I take the logs from them and I'll mill those into rough sawn boards. Wow. I, do, I do offer rough sawn boards, like two by fours, two by sixes, uh, um, one by one by material mostly for decorative woods sure for decorative like interior work and yeah. stuff like that wall handling wall
0: a lot of people don't don't understand that in in arizona you should have about 25 feet around your property for defensible space yeah and so that's when you're when you're talking about a nuisance tree it's one of those or that's well,
1: getting into a sewer, uh, a septic tank, so yeah. Better. Or it's a tree that has died from a beetle kill. yes yeah, yeah. uh, encroaching on the house, going to leave in yeah, the house. Uh, or, yeah. yeah, That's that's, that, that's mainly what the, the guys that I work with do. And when they're not doing when they when they're not doing those kinds of jobs, well, then they're out in the woods with their permit to get manzanita for me. And sure. They'll bring in a hundred sticks at a time, or uh, as many as they can load on their trucks. Sure. And bring sure. Them in.
0: That, that whole manzanita thing is, is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm really
1: uh, doing something good there because it is uh, basically fire washing the forest in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, th- you know, th- like I told the guys, I said, don't just leave the brush laying, you know, uh, put it into a pile. And at some point, you know, there'll be a lot of snow or something, the Forest Service may come along. Because you see piles of manzanita where the Forest Service has cleared it. Mm-hmm. They put it in piles, and when the snow flies, they come back and they burn it. And uh, mm-hmm. gets gets rid of it. So I tell the guys, just don't leave a big mess out there. Just it, it takes five minutes. Yeah, you know, to, to go in and rake up it around it, clean it up a little bit, and leave it looking nice. Mhm. So, yeah. So that the business it's it, um, about six years ago. I, I was primarily a wholesaler selling to other stores. That's when I opened this company store for myself. Um, like I said, I. I built several other stores for other people and stayed on as a consultant for a period of time. Uh, but um, uh, this is my company store, and I still do some wholesale. But uh, I've limited that to a couple stores here in the state, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, three stores out of state in Colorado. And all of your wood is sourced from Arizona? It's all sourced from Arizona. Once in a while, I do get some wood from out of the state might get uh, some uh, maple from Oregon, uh, or some redwood from California. Uh, occasionally I'll get some uh, wood from back east, clear uh, uh, red heart cedar, Arkansas, oh. and, and Missouri. Uh, 99% of what I have is right here local. Nice, Most of it. And uh, if it's not Mesquite from Humboldt, from um, uh, Cochise County, then it is uh, Manzanita or juniper from right here in Gila County, Town of National Forest.
2: Nice.
1: So you got the storefront,
2: and we walked through that a little bit, and you mentioned clocks and the little bears and all kinds of other stuff, but you, you do custom pieces as well. So if somebody had a in particular furniture they wanted? Is that I, I do
1: custom. I do a lot of custom. In fact, uh, that accounts for about 30% of my business here. Is people coming in and ordering a bed or a, a dining table or countertops. Right now currently I've got uh, an island top, uh, rather large, 10 foot long and four foot wide. Wow. Under construction I have uh, a 17 foot countertop with a dog leg on the end of four foot uh, or just an L on the end. 17 feet by two foot. That's a big long countertop. I have another one. Actually I uh, I'm working on one that is going to go into uh, the Strawberry Lodge uh, here uh, fairly soon. So I do a lot of that kind of work for people. Uh, they, they buy a house. Fireplace mantles is a big business uh, all year round for me. People are building houses or changing, uh, remodeling, and things like that. So uh, I sell three to five mantles a month, and that's out of alligator juniper. I have two two versions of a fireplace mantle that i offer which is uh, flat on flat which is flat on the top and flat on the bottom and then i have a, like a quarter round log oh, nice. flat on the top flat on the back side up against the wall and a quarter round of a log that you look at um, those are real popular um, the uh, dining tables are real popular too so and then the, your standard furniture
0: uh-huh so uh, little Bird told me that you were updating your website.
1: I did. I just, just finished that. Uh, yeah?
0: What's uh, a, what, so that people can go and, ch- I know that you yeah. said that most of your business comes from well, people the, driving you know, by? People driving by, but right. uh,
1: we're going to see what the website is like here now. Okay. Uh, it's a new website. Uh, I think there's 13 or 14 pages to it, plus it has a video. Um, the website is uh, www.skiesandpineliveedge. Dot live com. Edge. Liveedge.com. Yes. Skies it's, it's live
0: Skies and Pine. Live Edge. Live Edge. And Sky is S-K-Y-S. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, that's, uh, I was looking for a name when we opened the store here. And I couldn't think of any catchy name or anything that <laughs> would be right. And everybody said, well, that's Skye's place. That's Sky's place. So, okay. And uh, I said, well, we'll just. Skies and Pine. To the to so I mean, most, most people are coming up and looking for sky. So even Skies and Pine. There a lot go. of people don't know that we have furniture in there too. They see all the carvings. I do have a couple different carvers. Uh, we offer uh, the full, full spectrum of uh, carving, uh, from chainsaw carving to fine art carving. And I have the fine art carving inside the gallery but uh, the uh, uh, chainsaw carvings are done by a Chainsaw artist in uh, Flagstaff. Wow. Primarily bears. Uh, that, that's the biggest seller is bears. So I keep a good supply of bears in front yard. <laughs> Everybody loves bears. Everybody
0: yeah. Everybody wants uh, a yogi bear. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a fascinating stuff.
1: Mm.
2: So. Well, well, again, we greatly appreciate the time. We're kind of coming up on on some time for you, but. Uh, and we're located uh, in, in, so in Pine, obviously, right off uh, Highway 87. Highway 87. Uh-huh. Okay, so Campus so right when you they come through Strawberry, coming in Pine, can't can't miss Skies, right there, right? That's how you get into town, so as soon as
1: they see all the big carvings and the teepee out in the front, and, uh, uh, that's that's uh, you, huh? They'll know that dirt Skies. Yeah. yeah, and Skies is just actually a, a, a business within what we call Old Settlers Village. Old Settlers Village has been established here since the 60s, but uh, we have several other stores here too. I I don't want to exclude them, we have a really nice high end jewelry and rock store, Mm. it's called uh, Silver and Stone, and we have uh, Rustic Rim Boutique, she has lots of really nice unique items, and uh, we have... um, Chanted uh, uh, creations, which is uh, she's a seamstress and has really bright, really nice uh, clothing and uh, most other things, and she does embroidery. Oh wow! So so there's a variety of things here at Skies uh, and Pine. Uh, yeah, a lot of things, a lot of things here at Skies and Pine. I am kind of the anchor store, but it's all part of uh, Old Settlers Village
0: and, and helping further uh, artists. Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely and keeping everybody uh, gainfully fed. Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then one other thing we have, a, we have a candle uh, candle store uh, oh. in, in Old as Village well here too. Candles and soaps and, and uh, lotions and things like that. So, and that's um, uh, called the Scented Forest. So there's like uh, four, uh, four, four other little businesses here. Oh, that's nice,
0: yeah. that's fantastic. Well, we want to thank you very much for spending the time with us. I know thank that you've that. got lots of things going on today. Uh, cutting wood over there and doing all kinds so, of sir, stuff. Man, it's
1: my pleasure to help you out, uh, out a little bit. Uh, uh, Love the, loved so the story of
0: of how you do it, what you do and where, where you got the uh,
1: inspiration for it. So. I'd sure like to see uh, anybody that wants to come in and visit us.
2: All right. Perfect. <laughs> well, Sending me away. Thanks, all right. Man. Well, thank, thank you.
0: you very much. Hey, Aaron. Why do you got so many cracks in your windshield? Ah, uh, you know, I just don't want to take care
2: of. It's such a hassle.
0: What are you talking about? You just call Robert over at Gecko Glass. He'll take care of it for you. It comes to you. Fixes it wherever you are.
2: Wherever I'm at?
0: Yeah, wherever you are. You could be at the zoo, wherever. It doesn't matter.
2: Well, maybe I should call Robert at Gecko Glass. We call my insurance company, too.
0: Yep, he'll take care of all that for you. Just call him at 480-200-2237. You got a pin? Oh, that's 480 200
2: Thank you for joining us here at the Not So Native Podcast. Be sure to check us out on our website, notsonativepodcast.com, and leave a comment or two. Also, follow us on social media to get the latest update on our adventures. Until next time. Until next time.